Good morning, Grace. Hey, good morning. Oh, welcome to our listeners and today's episode of Can You See What I See? Vicky Scott here. And today, my co-host, Grace Hart, and I are going to talk with Rebecca Zardigan. We have a person. The, <laughs> we have a person. We have a person. Yay. <laughs> and Grace is the author of the book, I Gotta Tell You. You've I Gotta got Tell You. We got an extra person on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but first, Grace, um, did you have any aha moments about our episode on social conditioning last week? Oh man, don't get me started. I think we should be talking about <laughs> back in, and I got to tell you because I, yeah, I did. I had some really interesting ahas with it, but um, that can be later yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What about but you? Now, I'm gonna welcome. I'm gonna drop you in the deep end now. Did you have any? Yeah. Did you uh, absolutely? Yeah, well absolutely. done. Absolutely, I cool. sure did. You know, um, and in many different ways. Yeah, that we might. That might be another podcast. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the list is getting very long. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And for now, welcome to Rebecca Zardigan. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. (laughs) But let me say first up, um, uh, just with a view to transparency. Full disclosure uh, time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Beck is actually my and my husband Richard's daughter. And uh, whenever I hear that question, you know, if you could invite any three people to dinner, who would they be? Mm. And I'm always delighted to realise that Beck is just one of those people. Oh. Um, yeah, I know. I love but, that. You know, any That's warm and fuzzy stuff. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's special. But, you know, as, we, as Beck and I know, there have been many moments, um, you know, in, a, in relationships that have had many challenges and, of course, much joy, but... One of the things I realised when I was at, uh, just recently doing Beck's 40th birthday book is just how very fortunate I am to have shared this lifetime with Beck. So welcome, Beck. Thanks, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Grace. Hi, Grace. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, I just um, just for the listeners, what do you mean by your 40th birthday book, uh, Vic? Because I think it's really oh, special. I, oh, thank you. Yes, I did up a photo book with some stories about things I remembered from Beck from birth through to um, when she was 40. And I realised how the reason I did it is often we lose photographs and we lose how we got to where we're at. And I know our kids love being told stories about, oh, I know how I loved being told stories about when I was a kid and who, where I came from and other people and other influences in my life and I thought rather have than having it in 20 photo albums or something else, I could consolidate some photos and stories in the one book so that her kids, you know, I wanted to have some story about my own grandparents and parents and there's nothing left there. Mm. So I wanted to have a choice for Beck's kids and her grandkids to read something about my experience of my daughter. So that was what I while I did it. I love that. That's beautiful. <laughs> so, Beck, let, let me say, before we hear about your first book, i got to tell you, you got this, <laughs> you called it. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your own personal journey and what got you to the point where you wrote the book? Yeah, sure. So, I I mean, how do you sum up 40, 41 years? But I suppose, you know, in a, in a nutshell, I... Um, my journey's been an interesting one in the sense of um, a lot of variables and a lot of extremes um, in the sense that 
you know, we'll talk about, um, you know, with, with dad in the Navy and moving around every two years um, for the first decade and then um, settling down in our, in our next, in, our, in one of our homes for longer and public school versus private school and um, many different types of jobs from, you know, serving porridge in an old people's home to travelling with a minister in, in the state government, etc. Um, many different um, relationships and friendships in multicultural um, relationships as well. And I suppose, and a lot of a lot of a, I suppose a common theme is a lot of people say to me, "You seem to choose hard," or "Geez, you, you know, you, you've chosen a hard one this life," or whatever it is. And I suppose, from my point of view, I've always felt like life life could be better, or there's something else something else is possible here. And I always made that mean that I was a misfit, uh, that I didn't belong, and. I suppose then my experiences or, you know, my friendships and whatnot then then reflected that and gave me, I suppose, they, you know, things to live into. And I, and I continued to believe that. And I felt like I spent the first, you know, 35 to 40 years really searching for answers. And I suppose in some twisted way, I then created these events and experiences to give me those answers um, because I knew that, to me, life, there's something else possible here. And, and I wanted, you could, you know, I'm really sensitive to other, other people, you know, I'm really sensitive to other people's feelings, etc. And I would take a lot on myself. There was some stuff before I was five where every, you know, every three months I'd just vomit for four days, big cube remembrance in the buckets and all those trips to hospital with fear of, you know, dehydration, etc. And there was no diagnosis. There was nothing that came from a medical point of view. Um, and I suppose in the last five to eight years or even 10 years on this self journey that I've, you know, with all these different modalities and people that I've spoken to, et cetera, some stuff came out about, you know, well, actually that, you know, you, you the physical body can store emotions and express it in certain ways and hold on to things and, and whatnot. And in some of the conversations I've had, it's even down to, you know, that was me being the emotional sponge of the family. And those sort of conversations got me thinking differently then about um, my own personal experience. So, you know, in my early 20s, I had a two and a half kilo tumour um, that was a bit of a medical mystery. I was all geared up for a full hysterectomy because they couldn't see from the um, initial scans what it was attached to and what the end result may be. So I was prepared for, you know, worst case. And my whole life I'd been wanting to be a mum. That was my dream. So obviously that took a bit. And then, and then, of course, then there's that, you know, when that sort of major surgery when they're saying it could be up to five to six hours. In my head, I'm thinking, well, you know, death is always an option. So I suppose in your early 20s, that was quite confronting for me and it called me forward um, into, well, what, what am I here for? What, what, what sort of life do I actually want? If I get through this, what would I do differently? And if this was it, have, am I happy? And I started asking myself better questions. And I, I suppose then, you know, um, in a, more things started to play out. And then I, I found myself in a relationship um, with a gentleman in another, from a com complete opposite culture, um, a Middle Eastern man. And obviously that comes with a lot of cultural um, differences. But then, you know, there's a, 
so, so much going on in the, in the job that I was doing at the time and everything else. And I, I suppose I found some safety in him um, where I really that really resonated with me. To I wanted to get married. I was nearly thirty, and I and there was a lot of about him that was calm and and comforting and and private. And I wanted that. I, I wanted that for me because I had I felt like I had been not exposed, but um, Afraid's not the right word, but I felt like I, I and I think misfit really, you know, that was me in my 20s. I felt like I was sort of on the wrong planet and creating all these experiences that, that kept me thinking the world's got it wrong. Um, we're all creating pain that we don't need to be and there, there, there's something else is possible here, but I just kept creating things to look for answers. And where it got me then um, was, and that marriage has now come to an end and we've got two beautiful children out of that. But where it got me was a journey of self-reflection because I thought, well, hang on, if my marriage is going to end, that makes me a failure. And based on what? You know, based on this conditioning that you've got to be married by a certain age and you've got to have children. If you don't, you must be a career woman. And if, you don't, if you're not a career woman, then you'll be a cat woman. And, you know, there was just all this stuff and conditioning about what I should and shouldn't do and how I should and shouldn't feel by a certain age. And none of it worked for me. I, it, I didn't like it. I didn't sit with me. It didn't feel right for me. And I always dreamt of writing a book. I used to see books in, you know, um, shops and, and I would be drawn to the cover or to the title or to the, the author's story. And I always dreamt of creating something greater for people or, you know, maybe one person. It, it didn't matter to me what it was. But the journey then that I got to there was, what I realised my biggest aha moment for me was the power is not in the answers. I was I spent decades looking for answers so I could then write a book to give someone the perfect script for life. And my aha moment was actually the power is not in the answer. The power is in the question and then what you do. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. So <laughs> you're, I, on, you're only as good as the ho- questions you ask, hey? Right. And... That's when I, my whole life started to turn around when I started asking better questions. It wasn't, <laughs> why is the world, why is the world, it, you know, it wasn't, what can I do about this? What, it, it wasn't an empowering question and it was more around, um, I was looking for what's wrong. And yeah, we, we going, going into I, the polarity of the right and the wrong and the good and the bad rather yeah. than what can we create here, you know, what, where's the yeah. joy and yeah, well done. And my questions then started to turn around. So, you know, what's great about what's great about this physical trauma that I've had in my body? What's great about this marriage that didn't work? And what's great now? What, you know, what's what's possible now for these kids? And what's possible for me as a single woman? Um, what's possible for me now? In yeah, and it's it's greater than that. You know, obviously, I won't go into it all here. But the the message for me, the big one, was around. The power is actually in the question, and I suppose the most beautiful thing to reflect all your all your parts in your body, all those bits that you're not comfortable with and stuff like that, are children, right? You have you have your children, and it's like they what, what, what great reflections of all your, your your emotions that are still inside, you know. And I was becoming a new mum, and and as they got older, they're you know um, five and nine now, etc. And um, their behaviours and their tantrums and their challenges and their different, like there's kindy and there's prep and schooling and et cetera. 
And then, of course, you know, with any broken marriage, you've got some parent stuff going on. So there was there was so much in my face to to manage. And what I realised was I was trying to make everything look a certain way based on my beliefs, my conditioning, um, society's expectations, all of that stuff. And I, well, actually, you guys have a lot to do with this. Um, and everything that, you know, these different conversations, you know, it really is about that. And I started to ask those questions and that propelled me into action, different actions, not staying in the same um, story and not living from my past, but then creating my future. And really um, a big one for me is about what do you want? And, you know, we talk about vision boards and stuff, but it's greater than that too for me. Like. I notice now, even when I wake up in the morning, well, what do you want to wear today? What colour do you want to wear? You know, mm. what, if I'm heading off to work and stuff. It's, and I'm inspired by that. I, I, I feel like I've come alive again. And you know what you Beck, you know, when you just said that, it's, it's beautiful because it's bringing in the energies of possibilities. It's bringing in that you have choice. And we forget, we forget we've got, you know, we, let's not go on autopilot choosing what we're going to wear. Like, let's ask, what, you know, hey, body, what would you like to wear? I love this. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, but, but, um, can I also say, um, what, what do you, what would you tell your kids, knowing what you know now, and this is the old project manager in me as well, I guess, but what would you tell your kids life is about? That's such an interest. yeah, so... I suppose, you know, my my nine-year-old and I have a very close relationship and the questions he asks me are just gold and call me forward every day. Um, and they're big life questions. And I suppose in a, in a nutshell, I would say to them, you know, life is about... Oh, that's a really interesting question. Um, so, with, 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 uh, without trying to find an answer. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you what do you perceive are some possibilities of what life could be? <laughs> you know, it's about well to give you an example. Just recently, um, and actually regularly, but it, the question was asked again recently. Um, my son was you know upset about some stuff, and he's like, "Well, mum, I just you know," and I was up trying to ask him questions to try to help him move out from where he was and 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 create something for himself. Um, because he said he was stuck and he was asking me the question and he goes, no, I just want to be more like you. And it started the conversation then because I said, well, hang on, mate, we've already, we've already got a back. We don't have a you. And you have, I, and love that. I started to list all, I, I started to list all of his qualities and his magic and his, he, 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 he walks through the day. He, this, this beautiful little boy, when he was born, I, it, 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 it just blows my mind what, what we can learn from our children if we're willing to observe it and if we're willing to be in that moment, what they can show us because he has taught me how to be present. He has taught me how to love unconditionally. He has taught me how to choose greater. He has, it's just the most, which kind of leads in then to why I wrote that book because the book's dedicated to him. The book is written for him. Um, so, so Beck, um, could you read us one of the oh. things in particular? So when you say you read, you know, it'll give the readers a sense of um, how the book is written because even though you say you've written it for your son, I know that 
another woman who's a mother and also a teacher said, this book is not just for children. It's all, it should be on the bedside table of every adult. Yes, absolutely. So, um, yeah. So can you read us something? Yeah, so, you know, the book, it's not a its not a storybook. It's a little chapter book. So on every page has, you know, a little heading. And then it's a playful way, um, it, you know, using analogies and little just playful words. Um, so I'll read you one. And this is how I speak to him. This is how I, this is how I speak to my kids. And this is how I, he and I um, connect a lot. Um, this one's called The Wave. And... I'll read it. And well, the reason I wrote this one in particular was because I really wanted um, to, to, in a playful way, explain that life is, well, we say this a lot, like nature, you know, it changes every day. Um, There are cycles. um, But more importantly, I want to draw attention to, for for his sake, I wanted to draw attention to observing that and being aware of that and being conscious and present to that every day that things are going to change and that's okay and and that's required so it's called the wave and by the ocean and watch the waves come in and then go out that is what happens here too you will have times when you are just bobbing on top of the water waiting for the next good wave you'll learn how to pick the good ones you will have times when you have to paddle like mad to get out of the white water you'll learn when to dive under or over. You will have times when you are cruising on the greatest wave and everybody cheers. You'll learn that these are often after a great deal of paddling or waiting. You will have times when you fall and everybody sees. You'll learn that you can always get back up and paddle out again. But remember, your wave will always come. You will get your moment. So enjoy the paddle out. Enjoy sitting on the board, waiting. How do I know? Because I've had my moment and I've learnt to paddle hard and to wait for my wave. Mm, I love that. And after every little um, chapter or little verse or whatnot, I put, How do I know? Because that's how he always says to me, How do you know, Mum? How do you know for sure? Oh, I love that. <laughs> so I love his questions. I, I, oh, it's delightful. So, yeah, that's, that's the. Um, the intention of the book was to give him, and even now, you know, I'll walk past his bedroom at night and his light will be on and every now and then he'll be laying in his bed with his book and he still tears up about it, he, you know, and he'll, he, he, he's a very sensitive little one and as, as they all are. Um, and I said to him, um, it was quite upset one night, and I said to him, Dax, you know, oh, you know if I... Um, every, every time in that book it said you... That's you, mate. And he gets so excited about it. He's like, oh, it's for me. And he gets so excited. And we talk about, you know, what else is possible then for him and for everyone. And it's beautiful when you start to see him then relate that to other people in his life. He relates it to children in his class. And it starts a different, you know, you can really see the way he then links that. He's like, oh, that little boy is experiencing A, B and C. I might share that chapter with your mum about the band-aid, you know, and it's Aww. just, it's beautiful when when we can, mm, I, I suppose, be present and get in the driver's seat of our own life. It's like an acknowledgement, well, not like it, it's an acknowledgement of being, you know, you're acknowledging his very being through those pages. Yeah. Yeah. I also think, um, 
you know, Grace and I have talked before about trauma. We have? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe once or twice. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it always reminds me about that we've been conditioned to think unless our life looks a certain way, then we haven't succeeded. Yeah, Um, judgment. But I'm just... I'm a judgment, yes. Mm. But I'm also glad to see that, you know, with Dr. Gabor Mate's work around the cost of that hidden stress on our bodies and how, you know, a lot of illnesses that people think are either genetic or, um, you know, um, things that just can't be helped, that trauma is actually at the root of it. And I yeah. know when Beck got that tumour, And I was sort of gobsmacked and it was the first time I'd heard of such a thing. But I remember talking to somebody and saying, you know, but what could have created it? And they gave me um, the name of a person who had written a book. uh, It was called The Journey, I think. But she talked about the metaphysical thing. Oh, Brandon Bray. Yeah. Brandon Bray, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the journey work. I know with Louise. Hayes' work as well. She, you know, a tumor yeah, about nursing a past hurt. And so in my world, as soon as I heard that, I quickly went to Beck because we didn't have any other option at that point except surgery. And whilst surgery was required and necessary, um, if you just remove something but don't remove the cause, then, and the doctors even said, it could grow back again. Mm. So we went on a little journey personally together there. Didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. But in that process, I got to see that there was no language and vocabulary around this. And this is why no. Grace and I are doing Can You See What I See? Because it is about creating that different conversation and providing that different vocabulary that people haven't had. So, you know, exactly. I remember even when Beck, um, she, I remember she, she told me that um, her son had given the book to his teacher and then the principal <laughs> wanted it as well. And I thought, oh, this is perfect. This is a different vocabulary that's mm-hmm. now become more available to people who are in influential positions. Um, I'm, I'm, loving, so, I'm loving that these conversations are starting. You know, like we say over and over again we're not experts we're just sharing stuff that has made a difference to our world um but i'm loving that other people are doing the same you know they might not be super qualified but they're starting to speak up on this absolutely and and then we start to find each other and what i love about when you're finding like-minded people who are who do want to create greater possibilities it is a much more empowering language rather than looking at what's right and wrong as you talk about the polarities, Grace. It's about, yeah. well, hang on, what else is possible here? So um, I, I love that. And even in my age of 67, it's like I feel great. I feel positive. Even in these times of where life seems hard for people, it's like, okay, this is happening. There's no denying this, but what else is possible for um, our our world and our children coming into it now who are having different sorts of experiences that are making them more fearful, etc. Yeah. It's it's I'm loving that it's it's being spoken about now, you know, that um a lot of uh quote unquote illnesses or injuries 
are somatic, you know, they are psychological and um, there's been injuries to, you know, the personality. And I sent a, um, a meme to a friend of mine and, um, and she said, I'm so glad you sent me this. It really, uh, as I was reading, I was thinking, wow, this is what Grace was like uh, prior to, you know, the work that I've done. And I just wanted to read a couple of these things um, as you were talking it's the symptoms that of trauma that we see. So we, you know, we're aware of the self harm and the avoidance and the panic attacks and you know insomnia and nightmares, flashbacks, etc. And this person wrote um, about symptoms of trauma, and I'd mentioned who it was, but it was unfortunately just a meme that went around Facebook uh, with no name attached or anything. Um, but she talked about the sim- symptoms of trauma that we don't see, and um, uh, I'll just list them now. So thoughts that no one can be trusted. Thoughts that everyone will hurt you. Thoughts that everyone cheats or is dishonest. Thoughts that sharing your feelings will result in losing people or pushing them away. And the belief that you are not or will will never be safe. And intense fears of loss and abandonment and shame. And what I want to say back is your book really speaks to that. And what I love about it is like every single um, you know part that you write is an empowering new new way of possibilities so you come out of all of this trauma stuff in a really fun way. Well, you know, uh, sorry to interrupt there, but that's the thing. Most of us think we have to have some traumatic event or experience, but really when you listen to all the people who are actually trauma-informed, they all say we as it's a part of being human. So for anyone to... They, you know, they haven't experienced real um, trauma is undermining what they have experienced. And so it's not, you know, that's the thing that I, where I think the gold is, is when we yeah. can actually say, you know what, I didn't realise it. But now that we recognise addictions are all part of trauma, that's, addictions yeah. are not the problem. It's, it's the addiction that we, this is what Dr. Gabor Mate says, it's it what we it's the solution to the problem. So you know we all focus on fixing a, a problem, but we mm. don't look at what caused the problem. We, well, you know, we trauma. Back to that. Yeah, people don't yeah. want to acknowledge that there's a bit of a taboo around trauma and mental health. Thinking it's like you know, well, it's just a huge taboo. Rather than going, hang on a minute, we all have trauma. We all have generational trauma. And let's look at this. And if you're someone listening now who's got body aches and pains that you can't, you know, work out why you've got them or you're putting it down to aging, maybe, just maybe, there's trauma there that you're not looking at. Sorry, Vic, go on. Yeah, I love what you said before, Grace, about, um, it, you know, many illnesses and things are somatic. Mm. I think, you know, I know before I knew what I know now, mm. before I could see what I could see now, <laughs> Um, that people thought somatic, oh, it's not just in my mind, I'm really feeling this pain. And we went to dismissing that as, well, hang on, it's physical, of course I've got this pain, it's not in my head. And people think somatic means I'm just making this up. And that's where it's the social conditioning, even it used to happen around back pain, it was mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, everybody gets a bad back when they don't want to do something in life. Um, and interestingly, if you look at the metaphysical thing about a back, it's a, a back is a, it represents the structure of our life. 
So when we're prepared to look at, well, hang on, what are the beliefs that uh, actually create the structure of my life, then we get to create a different possibility because you get to know that you can change your beliefs. It's just a thought you keep thinking, so you can change yeah. that. And, um, and you know um, that there's really amazing research on just what you're talking about with back pains and all these sort of things that can crop up. And, you know, for example, they've got a um, – connection now with if you've been brought up by a covert narcissist or a narcissist um, that you, or you're dating one, um, urinary tract infections, is it's documented now. That's one of the things. And it's like your body is just saying no, you know. And so pay attention, guys. What, what is your body sp- speaking? Mm, it, was, it was interesting after um – you know, after my separation, I think like most separations, you've got, you've got some unresolved stuff or things you would have done differently or, you know, there's stuff that everyone carries on from a broken down marriage, etc. Mm. And for the first two years after my separation, every three to six months, I was getting a gallstone attack. Yeah, and yeah. Just I just kept getting them. Yeah. and. You know the the advice is then we'll get them out. You, you know, get your gall get your gallbladder removed, etc. But there was something else triggering me because I haven't had that issue before. Like, it, but it, it was it had become recurrent for me, um, and just really interesting that you know there was a lot of stuff that I then went and did, and and it stopped, and I've still got my gallbladder, mm. and I was intrigued by that. Mm-hmm. I was so intrigued by that um, mm. that it was like, oh wow, um, mm, actually, yeah. you know, really, you, you, the body's amazing. Yeah, it, it, it really, I, gives you the gives you the signs, doesn't it? Oh, <laughs> you, totally. Only only if you're willing to listen and observe. Yeah, be present with yeah. it. Yeah, you know, I had a yeah. client who um, that she was telling me this story. This was probably about ten, fifteen years ago. This story that she was sharing, and she had all these back problems and and um, and just not feeling right inside. And so the doctor did all these medical tests, and they all came back completely fine. And so his response back then is, "There's nothing wrong with you," um, and so just get on with life. And she she was depressed. She had pain, constant pain, and he was like, "Nope, there's nothing wrong with you." And so this is where you know it might not show up as a medical thing, um, but you can still have trauma in the body, and um, so don't dismiss it. And one of the exercises that I love is just take a moment lying down where you're feeling safe, secure and supported, the phone's not going to ring, you know, no one's going to interrupt you and just be present with your body and if it's easier for you, start with, you know, your hands or your feet and go go to the particular parts of your body and just be with it, you know, just notice, is it hot, cold, is, it, um, is there movement there and notice any thoughts you have when you're with that particular part of the body and, you know, Peter Levine's work I absolutely love and you know, I was, I was dealing with a client the other day and she had all this sort of jaw stuff um, and um, just nerve pain going with her jaw. And anyway, long story short with that, I just got her to do a couple of Peter Levine's um, exercises. And what Peter talks about is if you've been in a situation where you wanted to fight but knew that for your own safety you couldn't and you chose to freeze instead, that fight still is in your body. And, um, and a lot of people, he says, that haven't had the um, ability to let go of that fight, in other words, it's just still trapped in the body, they'll get a lot of jaw problems or teeth problems and, or nerve problems because they, they haven't let go of that part of them that really wanted to fight back because, you know, nature intervened and said, don't do that, you're going to die if you do that. 
And um, and anyway, she just um, clenched a jaw and sort of just organically was just present with that part of her body. And the next thing you know, she had a bit of a shake and, and she hasn't had any pain since. So this is what I'm saying, like, please, guys, if you've got any kind of pain, look at this. It could be the voice of trauma speaking. Mm, absolutely. Um, so uh, this this book, you've written this one, but you said that it's actually the first in a um, trilogy. Have you? Where are you at with the other two? So the second one's nearly finished. I'll be sending that across to the publisher by the end of November. Yay! And <laughs> and that's I suppose you know one one level deeper to all this stuff. So these little uh, poems or chapters or you know these little um, analogies on each page then come with some stories that that where how I've got to there. Um, so it it continues down the same. Um, it's written in a similar way, but it's more in a story base. Um, and the intention then is to, you know, I'd love to be able to share uh, share my story with, with the intention then to lead people out, um, give, give them another option, give them show them possibility. I remember chatting with you, Mum, years back on one of your projects and, and that whole thing of, you know, the, the outcome is not in your control, but what is in your control is, you know, lead, getting to, um, I remember saying something to you like, you know, you, you've, you, I think you were disappointed with the outcome of something. And I said, but what you did was you led them to the couple of hours and you showed them what else was possible. And I, and you've inspired me in that in that regard with my kids because, you know, life's not, you know, we're, we're brought up with all these fairy tale stories about what life should look like, and then you've got the conditioning and everything else, and expectations, and you know, I don't think the education system. You know, that's a different podcast, isn't it? But, um, <laughs> but the, when we talk about what we're actually teaching our kids with and what we're leaving them with. Mm. You know, that's a that's a great question. Are we equipping them with what they need? Um, is is there anything else required for them? And you know, to me, the answer, the light, the light answer to me is absolutely something else is possible here. And we, you know, I I think it, we can often go through. So yeah, I'm 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 waffling a little bit. I suppose my intention for the books is that it it completes the journey. So this one ignites a little bit of fun, different conversation, a new vocabulary perhaps, creates possibility, sparks a bit of, a bit of, you know, mm. something else is possible here and stay in, stay in your lane, follow your truth, your, your gold. And then it sort of leads down a path of, you know, some of my, you know, stories and, and, and that, that have happened. And then to give examples then of, um, you know, choices and impact because my biggest thing is that people you know and I suppose this comes back to the question earlier Vic which is what 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 would I say to my kids of what life is about well it's about being in your truth but what happens then is you know life happens and our truth gets squashed or pushed in or whatnot but yet then we sort of sit in that space of oh it ha I can't do that because of or I, I'm like this because of my childhood, or I'm like this because of my abusive relationship, or I'm like this because of, 
And, of course, but, there's no you know, question I, I, in any of that, is it? It's all just no. the conclusions that keep you locked in, in the suffering. Yeah, and I'm really big on accountability. And I think accountability to me has always sort of carried a... It's been a dirty word because I've almost... like It's like manipulation. The, the, the word itself, we all it's got a negative connotation to it. Well, it's not a bad thing at all. Um, you know, when I, when I think of accountability, we're often... We often only use that word when when we're told to admit our mistake or to own up to what we've done. Well, actually, we're accountable for our words every day, good or bad. We're accountable for our actions. We're accountable for what we choose to hold on to, to what we choose to let go of. And are we giving our, our children the tools to do that? Are we giving them the tools to let them know that's possible? Or are we just continually trying to mould and shape and create and define their futures for them. Because if imagine being a child where you step into a space where someone has no expectation of you. And as parents now, we're sort of, um, you know, we're still in our own stuff. And I know I am. And I hear my kids speak. And it's when I hear my son speak that something else ignites within me and I hear it for myself and I start to heal myself as well. And I start to hear, oh, my goodness, I've got a belief there. Is that actually my belief? That's a great question to ask. Is it your belief? What are you passing on? You know, what instructions are we giving our kids when we go to a playground and we say, put your shoes on the sand pot? Well, some of us go, well, you'll be an irresponsible parent if you don't. Is that, is, is that true? Like, do we really, do we live in the present? You know, we, we live in this thing of, well, how, how will that, imagine what else is possible, what, what is possible if that child, and it sounds so simplistic, but we have the option every day and we have the choice every day to use our words more powerfully, to create greater, to inspire our children to, to stay in their own lane. Like it's not their job to please their parents, but are we equipping them? Do we have the space? Are we creating a space where that is actually possible for them? And I suppose that's my, well, it's not I suppose, I'm very intentional. That is that is what I want for these books. I want for something else to be created where children, and it's about being understanding and compassionate to what adults have because we've all lived our stuff. It's not about, you know, it's not about right and wrong. That's not at all what I'm saying and, and nor, nor the message in the books, but it's, it's about uh, every individual has is accountable for their choices yeah. and for their words and everything else. And I just think we would be in a very different space, in a very different world. If, you know, can you, do you go to bed at night and, you know, what, what is that little voice in your head saying to you? And they're big questions and, and all of that. I, I get that. But the, the, the messages in the books are giving practical examples and tools about, you know, and, and it is asking those questions and it, and it is a, it is a big read. It is a, you know, it's not going to fit for everyone, and that's okay. That's why I've delayed writing it because I thought I, it was my job to make it land the way I wanted it to land on everybody else, and that's not my that's not my choice. So I suppose from my point of view, it's just about I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out some some stories and some words and some possibilities, and what people do with that is. Is completely, you know, like, it, and that's yeah, the whole exactly. thing about choice, isn't it, Grace? No, exactly. <laughs> but you know what I'm celebrating? You know, one of the things that I say often is if you don't transform your own trauma, you'll transmit it. 
and that's not kind yeah. to anyone. And so yeah. I, I really want to honour you because it's really, I know you and you just continually every day look at ways you can transform and choose greater. And so you're not, you know, transmitting any of the suffering or, you know, um, it's like you're, bre- well, not it's like, you're breaking the cycle. You're basically breaking the cycle of abuse and trauma and I'm just so proud of you and the book is a beautiful way because of what you've gone through to invite people to that possibility and um, it's just, I, I look, I, I see that world, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. so I'm so grateful you've written it. Thank you. Yeah, and um, I, I also know that Beck has used the words to her own kids about um, holding them accountable for things as well, but she often say, your words matter, your actions matter. And I think maybe that's a bit of home play for this coming week. Hey? Oh, I like that. Yeah. Just yeah. notice our own words. and um, Realise that you're creating. Energy. Your well, words are creating. Exactly. Yeah, your choices are creating. And each and every one of us as individuals notice that, imagine, well, you know, then if we just notice it and notice the impact and the energy behind it, because even, you know, I, I'm learning and doing things every day that, and even just this morning, I remember I said something to my husband and just after it, something felt really heavy and I thought, oh, I didn't, I realised I didn't feel good about what I said and it wasn't kind the way I said it, but um, it was just such a good reminder to be in the present and not carry that old stuff into the, into the, you know, into the present that we're currently at. So, um, but we'll put back your book on our podcast um, site, information. And we'll we'll have to get you back in when you talk about your next one too. (laughs) I'd love that. Thank you. Yeah. So thanks for joining us today. And um, can I I just say, um, you know, I know that obviously you're my mum and Grace, you know, I've, I've known you some time now, but I really acknowledge you both for who you be for, every, for everyone, but particularly for being willing to have these different, these different conversations because it's so required and it's so beautiful. And I know that even across my network and the conversations that I've had and then the listening to podcasts, we often sit around with a cup of tea or sometimes a wine and we sit around and we listen to the podcast and it's, the ripple effect is amazing and it, and that comes down to, you know, it is being responsible for our words and for our actions and I really appreciate who you are and what you guys create for everyone. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, you know, it's such a beautiful thing when, like what Vic just said in relation to, oh, I said something and I felt heavy so I need to look at that and, and, and when you can do that with no right or wrong, you know, because we all say things every now and then that we don't think. and But in that moment, if you can recognise the energy drop and go, oh, actually, okay, what mm. I just said didn't create what I was after and I'm really sorry. You know, it's such a beautiful mm. way and it always creates greater, always. Mm. Vicky, thank you for being that too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so we'll talk next week, Grace. Um, I think that's a plan. <laughs> That's good. Thanks for being with us, Beck. Thank you. Thanks, Beck. And thanks, Vicky. Thanks, everybody. And um, we'll catch you next week. Take care. Bye bye.